Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. Data with your NXT stand and deliver instant analysis. That's right, getting over is back once again and the Silver King is here on WrestleMania Saturday, just minutes after NXT stand and deliver concluded in the afternoon to break down every single thing that happened on this extremely special show for NXT. We're going to talk match results, grades, and just an overall look at what is coming in the future for NXT. This is an instant analysis episode and we are doing it on a day that has WrestleMania. So we basically need to go as quick as we possibly can here. So let's just do what we normally do off the top. A reminder, folks, getting over. So leave those five-star ratings and reviews for us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also leave a review specifically on Apple. Tell people how much you love the show. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. We're tweeting live during every single major event for WrestleMania weekend, putting pre and post show polls on Twitter, live Twitter spaces. so You guys can listen to us do pre-shows for both nights of WrestleMania that are still upcoming. Of course, you can, like I said, vote in those polls, sending questions, comments via DM. There's every reason in the world to follow us on Twitter at getting overcast. Now, normally on these instant analysis, I would crack open a cold beer. We save it special for these episodes, but this is the afternoon and I still have WrestleMania to come. So instead, let me just tell you, I'm having some Starbucks right now on Saturday afternoon. It is a iced uh, triple espresso. I go decaf style, three pumps of white mocha, bunch of milk in there as well. It is absolutely delicious. Let's get to it. Let's get immediately into the NXT stand and deliver instant analysis. I'm going to start with our pre-show grade and then we'll talk about post-show grade at the very end. I did forget uh, to go ahead and post a pre-show poll. So I do not have your expectation grades. I apologize. I did remember to do it after the show and I will not forget for WrestleMania. But for me going into this, I was actually, I think at an A minus, if memory serves, I believe the card was extremely strong. There was an opportunity for four title changes. And given the fact that NXT was holding its first event outside of the WWE Performance Center slash Orlando area since February, 2020, more than two years, I thought they would put their best foot forward and we'll get to whether or not that happened in a moment. I do also want to give credit to WWE for promoting NXT and Stand and Deliver a few times during SmackDown on Friday. It's not the first time they've ever mentioned NXT on that show, but it's the largest degree to which they've ever promoted an NXT event on SmackDown since the start of 2.0, at least to my recollection. As far as the show itself, the presentation was great. There was no pyro or augmented reality, but the entrances looked incredible on the big screen. They did keep the 2.0 aesthetic in terms of it was very colorful, uh, but it was obvious that being in a darkened arena, as opposed to the very bright performance center, everything just came off bigger and better, at least as far as as far as I was concerned. That's really it. That's my intro. So let's get into the instant analysis, the results, and the grades here. We're going to go through all seven matches, six on the main card, one off the kickoff show, and then we will wrap everything up at the end with uh, some final thoughts and that post-show grade that we talked about. Let us start with the main event, as we always do for these instant analysis episodes, NXT Championship on the line, Dolph Ziggler against Braun Breaker. Braun wore a all-white singlet, and let's just say that in the first shot we saw of him, 
Uh, it was very obvious he wasn't wearing a cup. Uh, he should really reconsider that in the future. He grabbed a chainsaw that was colored in like 2.0 colors and cut open the X during his entrance. It was a bit convoluted and ridiculous. He doesn't need to keep doing that. Let's move on to something else. I'd rather, since his name is Breaker, I'd rather him smash something with his hands as opposed to use a chainsaw or kick something, you know? At least make it more that he's breaking it, not sawing it in half. Anyway, Ziggler wore shorts, pink shorts. And I'm not saying he's never done that. I know he has. I can't remember the last time he didn't wear those long boy pants. So that was interesting. Uh, Dolph saved an early botch, like right after the bell. Braun caught him with a big slam and two overhead belly-to-belly suplexes. Before basically calling the match, he's like, it's over. And this was like three seconds into it. Robert Roode grabbed his leg as interference and got ejected as Braun chased him to the back. Ziggler pulled off a turnbuckle cover while the referee was distracted. He had a draping neckbreaker. From there, it got really slow. Ziggler um, kept a headlock on for a long time. Maybe Braun needed a blow. Maybe just they wanted to fill up match time. I'm not sure what it was. Breaker hit a twisting slam and an avalanche Frankensteiner for a near fall. He was unfazed by a lifted knee and hit a huge spear for a near fall. Commentary sold it as the first time anyone had kicked out of his spear. Braun caught a super kick and speared Ziggler a second time. Then he hit the press power slam finisher, but Rude returned to save Ziggler in a false finish. And commentary did a really good job because Rude got ejected. That should have been a disqualification, but commentary pointed out the referee used his discretion, which in that circumstance was good because it's a championship match and we want to see a finish. That's what the AEW referees do so frequently, use their discretion, and that was a really good decision uh, in that moment. Breaker uh, did a tope cannonball onto both of them and then threw Rude into the steps. When Braun came back in, Ziggler hit a Famouser and Zigzag in succession for a 2.9 false finish. Ziggler hit an elbow drop for a 2.5. He called for the super kick, but Braun was like standing strong in the ring and took him by surprise. Breaker hit a third spear, He went for a second press power slam when Ziggler slid off his back, threw Braun into the exposed turnbuckle that he did way earlier in the match, and hit a super kick for the 1-2-3 to retain the title. And this was a total shocker finish on a weekend where the Steiner brothers were inducted into the Hall of Fame. I assumed Rick Steiner would get involved in the match and take out Robert Roode. I thought both of them would be sitting ringside and they'd be shown on TV. None of those things happened. This completely subverted my expectations. Does that mean that Braun is getting a fast call up to the main roster? Or is this just the booking they had decided on? I'm very curious to see what's in store going forward. But as I said on the Ultimate Preview, for those of you who listened, Ziggler has done such a good job helping NXT gain popularity and attention as champion that it did feel a bit too soon to take the title off of him. And because of that, Even though I predicted Braun winning, I was really happy with the booking decision. I think it was the right move for them. And whether it was Shawn Michaels or the Bruce Pritchard, Vince McMahon faction that makes some of those ultimate decisions, apparently, whoever made the call, as far as I'm concerned, made the right decision. This was not the most spectacular match of the day in terms of big spots, but it was probably the match of the night or afternoon. It's truly insane how quickly Breaker has picked up wrestling. The sky remains the limit for this guy. And again, subverting my expectations was so welcome here from a booking standpoint. Plus, the wrestling was really strong. So when I look back on this after WrestleMania, I may say, you know what? I should have graded it a little bit lower, but I'm going to go with 4.25 stars and an A. I thought it was in that A range in terms of caliber of match, multiple false finishes, really exciting stuff. And again, a booking that surprised me. And all of that to me makes for a very entertaining match. 
We had the NXT Women's Championship, Mandy Rose defending against Cora Jade, Io Shirai, and Kaylee Ray in a fatal four-way. This was the third to last match on the show. Cora had a special skateboard entrance. Mandy had a special entrance on a Catal platform with smoke. It reminded me a bit of HBK dressed in all white at WrestleMania. Bad News Barrett, uh, or sorry, Wade Barrett made a Bad News Barrett callback to the platform as well, which is pretty funny. And Mandy's look was a bit more colorful than usual. It was a nice changeup for her coming out of her normal gear. She also debuted a new NXT Women's Championship. It had a white strap. The plates were tweaked slightly with the new logo, but the same old design. And it was also a little bit smaller than the old title. Uh, EO and KLR dominated early, first by teaming up. Then they had a great one-on-one sequence with each other. There was a massive noticeable difference when they fought and then when Mandy and Cora fought. And largely, that happened multiple times in the match. Although, of course, the, the women did mix and match with each other. Cora did a running cannonball off the ring apron. KLR hit an Escalera cannonball outside. Shirai followed with a moonsault outside into KLR. Uh, EO hit a rolling double stomp, Tiger fake kick, and missile drop kick on KLR for a broken fall. EO put Cora in a Texas cloverleaf as KLR had Mandy in a choking leg lock. Cora hit a hurricanrana and springing double stomp on Mandy. Then she hit an apron Canadian destroyer on KLR, which was the spot of the match, and I was floored at how well it was executed. Shirai nailed her in the back with a Tiger fake kick, then nearly got Mandy with a missile drop kick, Meteora, and German suplex bridge. Io took Mandy off the top with an avalanche Spanish fly, but Cora broke it with a elbow drop or senton. I'm not sure what it was, but she missed it, whatever it was. Then she hit sliced bread and a DDT on Mandy for a near fall. KLR broke it, hit and landed the gory bomb, but did not cover. Shirai then pushed KLR off the top rope. Her head hit the ring apron. Io nailed her moonsault, but as she stood up, Mandy caught her with the running knee and folded her in half for the title retention in 15 minutes. This completely over-delivered. Shirai and KLR did carry the other two as we suspected they would, and it did make sense for them to get added to the match. But Cora, to her credit, had her moments. Mandy was always in the right spot, and she continues to improve along the same track that Carmella has, where they're not in that top, top upper echelon of women's wrestlers, but they are completely capable in the ring, which for both of them was not the case early in their main roster career. Rose retaining the title, I would say it's the wrong booking. Pinning Io is also the wrong booking, but it was kind of excused the way they did it by having her blindsided and then folded in half. You know, she didn't take finishers and just look like a chump at the end. As the match was finishing, I even bought further into, I think my prediction was KLR winning the title. And I do believe that was the move to give her the title, let Mandy Rose get called up with Toxic Attraction. But that's not what they did. Um, At least, though, NXT did not have Cora win the title. It is far too early in her career to be champion. And even if you compare her to Braun Breaker, Braun is far better in the ring than Cora, both with a very short career to this point. I will say that Cora improved, though, so I do give her a lot of credit. There was a lot of matches on this card that were really tough to grade. I was between anywhere between like a 3.75 and a 4.25 for three or four different matches on this card. Here, maybe it's because it exceeded my expectations so much. I went four stars in an A minus. Again, strange decision making, having Mandy retain, especially given a later result that we're going to talk about in a moment. It seemed like a great spot for WWE just to cut the cord, call up Toxic Attraction as a trio. 
uh, KLR, by the way, was the MVP of the match, if I didn't make that clear earlier. And Io did not get a send-off after the bell. So it's very possible that in this fatal four-way, none of the women are going to get called up, which to me would be just a total shocker. It wouldn't make a shred of sense to me. Uh, We had the North American Championship ladder match. This opened the show. Carmelo Hayes defending against Santos Escobar, Solo Sokoa, Grayson Waller, and Cameron Grimes. This did start slow. We need to note that. The first big spots were Sokoa and Escobar consecutively hitting Topes on Sanga and then Hayes doing a springboard moonsault on Grimes. Sokoa rammed three dudes between two ladders in the corner. Waller hit a rolling cutter that took Escobar off a ladder. Melo came back with a springboard twisting Uranagi, taking Waller off a ladder. Escobar hit an insane sunset flip powerbomb over the ladder, driving Sokoa into another ladder propped in the corner. That was the spot of the match. You could make an argument it was the spot of the show. And again, this was in the opener. Grimes took Escobar out with his running Spanish crossbody. Trick Williams tried to interfere. Sanga jumped into the ring, took him out, and literally broke a ladder in half. Legado del Fantasma then used a ladder to take Sanga out. And Electro Lopez did an Escalera splash outside on Waller, which was pretty cool. There was a strange sequence, though, after this, with all of the seconds fighting each other in the ring. And it just was unnecessary for a match like this, when you already have five people fighting. Sokoa planned to do a double Samoan drop on Legato, but they didn't get far enough onto his back, so he basically dropped them. He just did like a front slam. Trick knocked Escobar and Sokoa off a ladder, then climbed it, um, but he was scared of heights, so he did a really funny sell as he was climbing rung by rung. Grimes tilted him off of it and out of the ring. Three ladders were set up with all five guys battling. Waller was left standing, but Escobar took him off the ladder with a hurricanrana. Sokoa hit the Uso splash on Escobar. Grimes hit him with a cave-in on a ladder that was propped between the barricade and the ring. Waller then climbed another ring, or another uh, ladder, I'm sorry, that was propped up at ringside and was going to do an elbow drop with the, you know, he does the basketball move between the legs onto Grimes and Mello, who were both on the ladder. Both of them jumped out of the way and he elbow dropped the ladder, but he didn't catch it. And what you're supposed to do is catch it with the side of your body, your ribs, and break the ladder directly in half. Instead, he caught it with his left arm and he caught it on the outside of the ladder. So he didn't even go midway into the ladder. Um, he didn't hit it clean. I think he may have legitimately broken his arm. If he didn't, then number one, he's lucky. And then number two, he sold it like an absolute pro. So huge credit if it was a sales job. Huge credit for taking the risk. I really hope his arm is not broken. Escobar hit Mello with the Phantom Driver in the ring. Then Grimes jumped off the top rope and hit an avalanche cave-in on Escobar before racing up the ladder to win the North American Championship. This match went more than 20 minutes. There was a little too much interference, like I said, from the seconds in the middle. But other than that, it was an absolute banger. That may have been to give everyone a rest, all that interference. And it also may have been to set up the intense finish. Escobar was the MVP of the match. It wasn't even close. Waller's bump was insanely dangerous, like I said. Uh, Grimes winning was the obvious and correct booking. And Escobar actually ate two different cavens from him. So it wasn't fluky in any way. It was an extremely good ladder match. It just felt like it was lacking intensity at times until we got to the finish. This was the most conflicted I was in terms of a grade. I was between 4, A-, minus, 4.25, A. I guess I'll go, hmm, I'll go 4.25, A because the finish was so damn strong, but I wouldn't necessarily go higher than that. We have seen far better multi-man ladder matches in WWE and in NXT as well. 
Grimes cut a babyface promo later as he cried about winning the title and making his father proud. He said he's more than a WWE superstar. He's a WWE champion. And that was a really nice moment. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Tony D'Angelo, I believe, was the second match on the card. Uh, D'Angelo rolled up and was accomplished by AJ Galante, who I I didn't get the connection. They didn't really explain it. He's some boxing promoter. He apparently runs a minor league hockey team. He's Italian. Maybe there's some mafia tie, but I don't think they would blatantly say that on TV. So I just, I personally didn't know. Um, It felt like this match should have been later. They should have swapped this match with the uh, Gunther LA Knight spot, which was the penultimate match on the card right before the main event. I guess they wanted Champa to have his moment, but putting this directly after the North American Championship ladder match just wasn't right. Uh, Champa had a great video package. When he went to the ring, he did Triple H's water spray. He didn't execute it perfectly, but he did it. And then he got in the ring and did Shawn Michaels' flex in the ring, the stretch flex where he kicks one leg out. He did all that before the bell. Champa dominated early with running knees in the corner. He pulled up the mat outside. He did a bunch of running clotheslines. D'Angelo dodged a knee into a falcon arrow. D'Angelo countered or escaped multiple signature moves. Tony grabbed a crowbar. Champa dodged it. The referee got rid of the crowbar. D'Angelo hit a low blow and a twisting fisherman's neckbreaker for a 2.8 false finish, and it did kind of get me in the moment. D'Angelo went to get the crowbar again, but Champa caught him coming into the ring with Willow's Bell and hit the fairy tale ending, but he only got a 2.8 false finish of his own. And if it was me, that would have been the finish to the match. But uh, he immediately used the Gargano escape, which was cool, uh, but Tony reached the ropes. D'Angelo countered Champa with a DDT into the exposed floor, and Champa was the one who pulled it up earlier. Then he brought him into the ring and just booted him in the head and got the one, two, three in 14 minutes. Champa kissed the mat. He got thank you Champa chants. Then Triple H's music hit and he was on top of the ramp. They hugged and cried together on the stage. Paul raised his arm. Champa told the crowd off mic that he loved them and blew a kiss. And that was basically the end of the segment. The match was not for me. Uh, D'Angelo could not keep up with Champa in the ring. He proved he's really just not ready for prime time. You have your Braun Breakers, you have your Carmelo Hayes and your Grayson Wallers. D'Angelo, Tony D'Angelo is not there. He's second tier right now. The finish did protect Champa, but it was also kind of uneventful. Uh, if you're going to put Tony D'Angelo over, then okay, do the exposed spot, bring him inside and let the guy hit his finish again. He just kicked him in the head. Like to me, that just wasn't enough to beat Champa. What popped me were all of the callbacks and references. I didn't mind Champa losing. But if he was going to lose, he probably should have gone against someone that could keep up with him in the ring and put on a banger match. The moment with Triple H was obviously touching. It was great to see him on TV, him being Paul Levesque. For the match itself, I guess I'll go 3.25 stars and a B. Some of you may disagree. Maybe you're a little bit higher. It was a B match. I didn't think it was anything special in terms of wrestling. Uh, Now, in terms of what's next for Champa, there's been zero talk of him leaving WWE. So I have to presume, presume... With multiple appearances on Raw, he was in the SmackDown Andre the Giant Battle Royal on Friday that he's getting a call up this week. I do think he will work well there. I do hope they call him up at Raw on Monday. That way he gets this smart WrestleMania crowd and gets a really big pop. I really hope they don't delay it until SmackDown. I do think Ciampa, just like I said with Johnny Gargano, is too talented not to succeed on the main roster. The only way he would get quote-unquote screwed is if they pull a swerve and don't even give him an opportunity or a carrying cross and like shave his beard and just completely change the way he looks. I don't think either of those things is going to happen. It does seem like Triple H 
is being exceptionally hands-on with Champa and protecting him as best he possibly can. So I do think he gets called up. And that is the right decision because look, his time in NXT, it went on for very long. It was time for him to move. I just didn't think this was the best swan song for him. I thought it could have been something a little bit better. We had an NXT Tag Team Championship match, Imperium against the Creed Brothers and MSK. Imperium got new music. It was strong and it's fitting for them, but is it as good as Symphony Number no. 9? No, it is not. MSK had the DJ entrance again. Uh, it was good that they used the real good, strong, solid, correct, appropriate, whatever you want, to, whatever adjective. Triple threat rules with three eligible men at all times that is so important in a match like this. Lots of back and forth early. Nash Carter took Marcel Bartel off the apron with a hurricanrana, throwing him into Fabian Eichner outside. Wesley then did a springboard handstand tope onto Imperium. Then MSK hit a swanton bomb and corkscrew senton inside for a near fall. Brutus Creed did a legitimate cannonball like you would into a pool where you tuck your legs into your arms. He did it off the top rope outside into three dudes. It was insane. Imperium took out the Creed's and hit their assisted European uppercut powerbomb, which is the finisher. Carter hit Eichner. I think it was with a code red. Then Lee took Bartel off the ropes with the Hurricanrana, flung him into Carter's arms, and Carter caught him for a powerbomb for the one, two, three as MSK regained the tag team titles. This was an extremely fun match with a lot of fantastic spots. It was way more fluid than the latter match and probably a better match overall. Uh, It had a ton of spots. The ladder match had a ton of spots. They were completely different. The finish here was exciting. All three teams really showed out. I was wrong predicting the Creed's winning the titles, but NXT, in my opinion, went with the better option, which was MSK. If you're not going to call up MSK and you're going to keep them down there, they should be the champions. They are the most exciting team in, in the brand right now. Legato del Fantasma and Grizzled Young Veterans are two teams. Again, if you're not going to call them up, they should immediately be in the mix for the titles. Imperium doesn't need to be and the Creed brothers don't need to be right now. They're still really young. They also seem to have a feud brooding with those vandalizers. Uh, MSK easily, easily could have been called up. I cannot stress that enough, but if they're going to give them another six, nine, 12 months in NXT, that's totally fine. I went with 4.25 stars and an A for this match. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Gunther fought LA Knight. This was the penultimate match, their match before the main event. Gunther hit an apron powerbomb on Knight and largely dominated. Knight jumped to the top rope for a superplex and a near fall. Gunther countered BFT and wore Knight down with a headlock. Knight lifted Gunther into a burning hammer for a near fall. Gunther then chopped Knight's back, clotheslined him backwards off the ropes, hit a massive splash, and then a powerbomb for the win. This, as I said, was the second to last match on the card. It was very much a breather, despite both of them being really good wrestlers, I didn't think it was a spectacular match. Their styles didn't exactly work well together. You're talking about two completely different wrestlers. Uh, LA Knight, all flash. Gunther, all power and skill. But it was the absolute correct booking for Gunther to look super strong against one of the top baby faces in NXT right now. There was nothing wrong with this, but I didn't think it was spectacular. So I'm going 3.5 stars and a B. I would not be surprised to see LA Knight get called up he would be a perfect fit on SmackDown. Uh, needs mid-card, upper mid-card main eventers, even main eventers. They need him over on SmackDown. He should absolutely be called up this week. And lastly, in terms of matches, we had the Women's Tag Team Championship, Toxic Attraction, against Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. This was on the kickoff show. Gonzalez hit her spinning inverted Vader bomb for a near fall. 
Kai German suplexed JC Jane off the ropes, then pump kicked Gigi Dolan in the face and traded pumps with Jane. Uh, Kai got folded in half with the German, then kicked out of a German bridge. She also kicked out of the Toxic Shock finisher, which I don't think anyone knew was their finisher except commentary. So it was a false finish, but the crowd didn't get up for it because they didn't realize it. Neither did I. Wendy Chu showed up uh, and hit Dolan with a pillow and threw a drink in her face. Gonzalez then booted her outside. Kai hit Jane with a scorpion kick and a huge boot before Gonzalez hit the Chingona bomb for the faces to win the titles. The crowd was really sparse and disappointing for the first half. It was on the kickoff show, but it filled in nicely. The faces needing a third person, basically cheating to win. It felt appropriate given the storyline, given the fact that they attacked Wendy Chu, but unnecessary given Gonzalez and Kai are the far more accomplished and talented team. It was a solid start to the show. It was a solid start to WrestleMania weekend. I didn't necessarily care who won as long as the losers got called up, but with Mandy Rose not dropping the women's championship, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So I'm really not sure what they're doing. Maybe, potentially, they because they have the women's tag team titles, maybe they actually do what they should have done uh, a while ago. I mean, they never should have split the titles in the first place, but maybe they will do what they should have done and have Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai get called up and challenge the winners of the WrestleMania Women's Tag Team Championship match, uh, you know, on Raw or SmackDown in the forthcoming week and actually merge the titles, then they could be on the main roster. I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe I'm just booking the damn territory a little bit too strong. But again, I did think the losers would get called up. And as of this moment, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. I went 3.25 stars and a B. Again, nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't spectacular or anything that special. I do expect we will get a toxic attraction versus Gonzalez, Kai, and Chu, a six-woman tag team match at some point on NXT in the coming weeks. And lastly, if you remember, they did that whole Indy Hartwell, Persia Parada, Dexter Loomis, Duke Hudson storyline about which is the hottest couple, and they were going to pay it off on Stand and Deliver. Well, basically, they all dressed like cowboys. And I think they did a fan vote to determine who was the sexiest couple. Index obviously won. They all got angry at each other. It was incredibly stupid. It had no business being on the, uh, I was going to call it takeover, but on stand and deliver. It's just a terrible storyline. They got to stop it. NXT, I'm okay with the horniness. I'm okay with the sex appeal. The stuff with Idris Anofi and Malik Blade and Mandy Rose, that's funny. Some other stuff is kind of cute. This is terrible. Just please stop it. As far as uh, Stand and Deliver, let's wrap it up with a final grade and some final thoughts here. Strong show, top to bottom. Many of these guys and girls had their first NXT match in front of a significant crowd. I was surprised that Ziggler and Rose retained their titles. It looked like we might fall in line with my prediction and see four title changes. But my bet is that WWE is loving the momentum that they've seen for NXT, mostly from Ziggler holding the title, and I bet WWE thinks they can keep it rolling with two veterans, two people who are familiar to main roster fans as champions. Ziggler, he can still have a ton of really good matches in NXT as champion, and he can even drop it to Braun later down the line, Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller, uh, Gunther, certainly, LA Knight, if he stays down there, there's still a ton of people who can take the title off of him. I don't know that it needs to be Braun Breaker. Again, Braun could get called up. He may not even be an option. Um, but in totality, this was a really entertaining show. I will not say it exceeded my expectations because I had very high expectations for it. Ultimately though, uh, it was 
a very good show. And I'm just trying to think through my uh, potential grade for it. So while I think that through, let's go to your grade. Uh, the NXT Stand and Deliver post-show grade. The votes are still coming in. Uh, but this is how the tally looks as of uh, press time, as of the time I'm recording this. 45.3% said it was an A show. 49.3% said it's a B show. And 5.3% said it was a C show. 0% D to F. So NXT getting some good respect, not even some trolling, which is really nice to see. And I do think I mostly agree um, with that grading. I was at A minus B plus coming in, and that's exactly where I am coming out. I would say that the average grades of the voting public here were B plus, given that B had a higher percentage than A and there's a couple C's in there. So I think that all of you listeners and those of those of you who follow us on Twitter graded this a B plus and I think I'm right there. B plus, A minus, either way, it's six of one, half a dozen or of the other. It's like a 90 or 89 out of 100. That's exactly the way I would describe it. Uh, there were a lot of matches in that lower A range, uh, but a lot of matches in the lower B range and no pluses in either direction. So again, you're really just splitting a difference. But I don't really think that matters whether it's an A minus or a B plus. The fact that it's a show of that caliber that NXT was able to give us in this new 2.0 era, which let's be honest, from an in-ring standpoint, because it's become more of a developmental, is not as good uh, from a work rate standpoint as the black and gold version of NXT was. Given the fact that they were able to put on a show of this quality, that's a very high commendable um, and praiseworthy grade. A minus B plus. I think I am with the consensus saying it was a B plus show, even though I did have enough matches that were in that A range or A minus range. Uh, but if you are listening to this uh, and did not watch NXT Stand and Deliver, you're just like, hey, I'll catch the instant analysis. You should absolutely go back and watch this show. Uh, the matches that you need to see that I would suggest going and seeing are the NXT Tag Team Championship match, the finish of Tommaso Ciampa and Tony D'Angelo, just so you can see Triple H, the North American Championship ladder match, the Women's Championship match, and the NXT Championship match. So you can skip a couple and probably get it down to about an hour and a half. But I do definitely recommend watching NXT Stand and Deliver if you have not already and if you're just listening to this show. Uh, so that is it for the NXT Stand and Deliver instant analysis. A reminder, folks, there is so much more to come, not only today, but through the rest of the weekend. We have two live shows on Twitter Spaces. Be sure to follow us at Getting Overcast. Uh, two live shows ahead of WrestleMania. We're going to finish those pre-shows. The plan as of right now is to finish those pre-shows before the official WWE kickoff shows begin. We will also have two instant analysis podcasts coming out Saturday night and Sunday night after night one and night two of WrestleMania. And we will be back on Tuesday with our Raw after WrestleMania and WWE Hall of Fame show. So a bunch of podcasts coming your way, a bunch of live shows on Twitter spaces coming your way. So guess what? You know what you should do? Help us out and remember that getting over so you can head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave that five-star rating on Apple. Also leave a review. Let people know how much you love the show and be sure to subscribe if this is your first time listening. Do not miss the great content we have coming for you through this weekend and as we continue in 2022. Folks, I'm going to save my voice. That's it. There's plenty of getting over still to come. At this point, I'm going to leave you with three final words. Bye for now. <laughs>